carpooling. You're in the back seat with us on another romantic drive. It's so romantic these drives. It's I don't know if it's. Is all... there anything more romantic than two brothers? <laughs> I don't know if it's the thousands of other cars or uh, the general odor that your uh, Honda Civic is permeated with. But... The Soviet block concrete that surrounds us. Exactly. Yes, we're recording this issue live. In the, in the USSR. Yeah, going back for it. We not only had to go back in time, but also travel a great distance to bring you this important episode. Turns out the only car that can make that kind of trip is, in fact, a 2010 Honda 10 Civic. Uh, 2010 Civic. Honda 10. A 2010 Honda 10 Honda Civic. <laughs> you know, there's, uh, there, were, there used to be in American politics an even more contentious wall than the one on our southern border, and uh, we're... We're uh, broadcasting live from, from that the, wall, from the source, which is not in USSR at all. Well, it was kind technically. of, kind of. It was like Berlin, USSR. Yeah, I mean, it was technically in Berlin, but that was controlled. The eastern portion was controlled by. Someone would even call it the Eastern Bloc. The Soviets. Yes, that Iron Curtain. Okay, we're really off topic. Say what you will about no, no. Two things. One, okay. I hate communism. Fair and enough. I hate Marxism. Fair enough. Lenin had fantastic bone structure. At least in the portraits they make of him. Those are probably a little <laughs> edited. But that's one thing. And here's the other thing about... Uh, about Lenin? Well, or USSR? Or what? No, the USSR. Great national anthem. Yeah, that's true. Like, but second to none. You know, it's fun listening to it. because You know, it's fun listening to it when it's like the actual like orchestra and the people who like, you know, do music for a living. That's really fun. But the other thing is wow. like... It, shade thrown. Shade is thrown. But it's also like, it sounds like, it almost sounds like a glorious death. You know, yeah. it has that vibe to it of like, not only is it like Hunter, all Russian sounds like death when you really get down to I, it. I guess so. Privyet, I'm going to put bullet in you now. Eto moyablaka. Where? Privyet, we... comrade. <laughs> oh no. Das verdanya suka. Yeah. Uh, now we have the explicit rating in Russian. E for Russian. Okay, so Hunter, let's jump right in to today's roadkill. Uh, <laughs> you gave me a weird little wave, and I wanted to do a fun thing. Okay, try again. Roadkill! God, you clip like crazy. Okay, Under microphones. I just get so excited sometimes. You, get, I, you do get very excited for Roadkill, and who wouldn't? It's our greatest news segment. Hunter, tell me about the Roadkill this week. So, I actually, this is one of the problems about Roadkill, is I find out what the Roadkill is, but I can't read the Roadkill because <laughs> I'm driving. Can I hand you my phone and let's just go to Twitter for fun? Yeah, this is great audio. Yeah, this so is... guys, the thing about vamping is that while you're doing it, you can get really self-conscious. And, you know, it takes about probably 10 seconds to open up the Twitter app, but while you're doing that and then navigating to the messages, because that's where you sent it to me earlier as I'm explaining it to you. All right, great. Here we go. So, and I think I think you might have tweeted this or retweeted this out. I did. Really? So, if you if you follow me on Twitter, sometimes you may see what I select for roadkill early. Okay. So, here's here's the uh, the fun little bit from Twitter. Uh, this is an article by the BBC and th this is the headline. Science was wrong. 
women are just as up for casual sex as men. And then you can go on to the snippet that was taken from it and said, So in 2013, the study was repeated in a safe lab environment. Men and women were shown pictures of potential partners and asked whether they wanted to sleep with them. Both sexes said yes. The men ultimately, ultimately chose more partners than the women, but they were equally open to the idea of casual sex. As Saini summarized, the females were choosy but not chaste. Darwin's theory was based on the idea that males are biologically wired to sow their low-cost seed far and wide. Women, on the other hand, undertake the high investment activities of pregnancy and child rearing, so they veer naturally towards monogamy. Women don't want... <laughs> it's just like... Women, women want casual sex. They just want picky casual sex. No, it, it's like... This is what drives me crazy, is they're like, so we ran the study, and it showed that women wanted less casual sex than men. But let's run with the headline. Women want just as much casual sex as men. It's so wrong. And it's like... So and then like, It's like... There's, like, doublespeak even in the paragraph explaining yes. what's going on. Because it's like, they chose less, but they were no less chaste and open to the idea. Like, if I just say to you, hey, how would, are you open to casual sex? You have, you can answer that yes or no, right? right. But that doesn't tell me how open you to are. To what degree. Exactly. Right? They just ignore it completely. It's like if one person, if a male, for instance, says yes to everyone, and yes, there are some males that would do that. Right. Um, like Hunter. Like me. Um, Sorry, wife. <laughs> yes. Sorry. Then they're extremely open to the idea, so much so that they're so open to the idea that other factors don't play in, whereas the women are obviously less into it. They would do it under other given circumstances there's more factors that's the whole point right yeah exactly so, and, like and, that's and, literally the definition and they're rewriting it as they're speaking exactly and and the thing is we we won't get into it precisely in this episode but like the narrative that there's no difference biologically or sociology between men and women is nonsense this idea Kaput. that you could raise a child to be gender neutral is mythical beyond belief well, it's so anti-science at any rate we that's don't need a, to kill it. That's another good roadkill thing for later I just thought of. I'm going to put that in the back part of my mind. I have a tasty one for you guys in a couple weeks. Good. Stay tuned. A tease. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's get into the meat here. Today's topic is a contentious one. It is feminism. Right. Yes. What is it? Is it what people claim that it is? Is it still relevant? Is it important? Are the, you know, the... the the claims that it makes accurate, are they true? And why is there this resurgence in feminism? I, earlier today, I tweeted out something to the effect of uh, join us for a discussion on feminism, what it is, why it is, and how to remove blue hair dye. Uh, <laughs> I didn't notice that. Yeah. That's I funny. I snuck it in at the end. That's good. Um, okay, so, so let's just set the stage, right? Okay. There's this incredible feminist movement that is having a resurgence in America, if you want to get historical with it, this would be called third wave feminism. Whereas the first wave of feminism basically were the suffragettes, and the second wave of feminism were looking things for things like equal rights. Equal pay. Uh, not necessarily equal pay. Oh, really? Well, well there was some equal pay stuff, but it, I was, thought there was, definitely, it was generally yeah. considered equal rights. Um, sure. I think, I think it was like you can't have a man and a woman working in the same position, right. doing the same work, and the woman getting paid grossly so less. You're not, you're not wrong. Right. What I'm really talking about, I, I know is, what you're saying. Yeah, is that that word's been co-opted and abused now. So I yeah, have to be clear. It ha yeah, it's different meanings and different 
times. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So that's there's this third wave resurgence, and and the claim is that's made is that the purpose of it is equality for men and women. Whenever you attack the idea of feminism, the first argument is, well, it's just about men and women being treated equally. Aren't you a fan of men and women being treated equally? Yes, I am. So as the backwards definition of feminism goes, I'm a feminist. If you want to define it that narrowly. Right. Right? And I think you are as well. Yeah, absolutely. However, it's become increasingly clear that that is not the proper definition, you know? Yeah. It's like we talk about with beliefs sometimes. I don't care what you say you believe. I care about the belief that you act out in the world. I don't care what you say the definition is. I'm interested in the action or the definition that you're acting out, right? Right. So let's, let's jump into it then. So that's important to keep in your mind is that feminism right now, whatever, whatever it is, it claims to be equality for men and women. And the word equality is dubious on its face, but we'll get into that for sure. Right, yeah. So, any any opening thoughts on it? Uh, you know, we, we've said a lot of equal stuff. I really think the, the true thing that I like to see here is that men and women are treated fairly. Like I, what I, And what I mean by that, because I think it's a, it does a little bit better than equal. Because equal means, like, you know, based on what you bring to the table, we will treat you the same way as this other person. But fairly is, like, based on your merits will attribute worth to you. Sure. And I and I think I think it's it's just it, it's basically the same thing. It's just a degree closer to how I feel everyone should be treated. Right. And so naturally this claim, this movement wouldn't be necessary if there wasn't a perceived gross inequality between men and women as it currently stands. Yeah. Right? And this comes back to basically what I would consider the central tenet of the modern feminist movement. And that is the, in my opinion, not in my opinion, factually backed opinion of the mythos of a tyrannical patriarchy. That everything that you can connect to feminism is somewhere related to this idea that there exists in the West a tyrannical patriarchy that has been instantiated for eons by men, and it's it's in the same gray space as racism. It's like, we can't exactly put our finger on it, but it's connected to everything. And it's, it's born in through these soft power channels of, you know, men being leaders of business, men being leaders in the government, men making more money, these types of things. So that, uh, that's what I would argue is their central contention is that there exists a tyrannical patriarchy and it must be dismantled. I'm sure you've seen the Smash the Patriarchy t-shirts and uh, the Smash the or, or the Future is Female, etc. Uh, and we can get into those examples specifically if we have time. But uh, I will tell you, uh, sometimes me and my roommate talk about this. Uh-huh. Uh, we haven't made an actual graph, but it deserves one. Where we see a woman on Tinder that's wearing uh, the future is female shirt, and we decide how many you know points out of ten hotter she has to be to put oh, the swipe no. right on her. It's like no, uh, yeah, it's a sliding scale. No. It's a sliding scale. Um, and you're like, oh, that's... you're rating women? That's misogynist. No, it's biological. Read like one book. Aren't you rate? But isn't that like, isn't that, isn't that what Tinder is? Isn't isn't Tinder literally rating women and women rating men and vice versa and men versus men rating men like it's like if you took all the likes that someone is getting on Tinder 
and they're getting more likes than someone else, aren't they above them in the rating? Right. It, I mean, like, it, it, it's a application that, for one, I think is very disastrous. And that, everyone agrees that it's totally fine to use. Well, well, see, I, I don't agree. Um, now, let me say it's totally fine to use. It's not like a great moral misgiving it to use the application. Yeah. I'm what I will curious. say is that it, it, there's been a degeneration in the dating society in general. No, no, no. That's, no. Totally that, that's a different thing than what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. That's a completely different argument that I make. I'm saying that nobody thinks you shouldn't use Tinder right, right, from right. a like dating uh, thing today. Precisely. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's kind of funny when you see the feminists up there. Anyhow, you're like, you are literally putting yourself out there to be oogled by men who will not read your biography. And, right. you know, it's like, anyway. I think people see being a, a feminist... direct think, chemical pathway there. I think people see being a feminist as somewhat, as somewhat an attractive characteristic of to date them, though. And yeah. I, I, I think that gets really shady because I think, I think it's so talked about in the culture that I think there is this, like, I want to be noticed... How can I be noticed? Well, oh, I could be a feminist. And that's why men do it, right? But right. that's totally, that's tangential. I, yeah. I have a lot of thoughts there. We could talk about this sure. for the rest of the car ride. Sure, but yeah. We have a lot to talk about. Anyway, so the tyrannical patriarchy. They say it exists, it must be dismantled because it's oppressive. Uh, might start sounding like some topics that we've discussed before. Can't about, think of you them. know, different types of oppression and whatnot. So, nope. anyway, what are their evidences that they provide for this? As far as I can tell, there's basically three main evidences that the feminist movement provides for the for the existence of a tyrannical Western patriarchy, hierarchically organized system. And uh, you tell me how far off I am on this, but I basically see it as uh, sexual violence, you know, gender-based violence, like the hashtag MeToo movement. Uh -huh. I see it... Uh, so that's one of their major tenets. The other major tenet is abortion. The willingness to regulate abortion by, quote, old white men, unquote, in the legislature uh -huh. is one of the tenets they use as evidence to represent the tyrannical patriarchy. And then the third one, and I think this one's the most important, is the wage gap. That they say that we make different amounts of money and therefore there's a wage gap that exists and that's instantiated so, and continued by the tyrannical patriarchy. So they use these three pillars, these systematic things that they say exist to say that there there is in place without our consent controls from a from this patriarchy and here's the evidence for it. You can right. see it right here. Right. Okay. Yeah, I, I I've done more job organizing their thoughts than they have, but that's how I see it being organized. Sure. Well, for some for some, you have. Maybe a lot of them actually see it that way and think it's convenient and actually true. You know, it's like, you know, it just depends on how critically they thought about it and what evidence they are aware of. Well, the evidence, the evidence, the evidence. Let's jump into it then. Yeah. So, first things first, let's talk about the Me Too movement. And, and what they would say about the Me Too movement is there is a vast swath of sexual violence that gets perpetrated by women and then gets soft-pedaled by society, culture, the prison system, etc. Um, let me, uh, my contention here, and this is going to be my contention throughout, is that the patriarchy exists less on in the hard facts and the actual realities of the world that we see and more in the minds of those who want to further a narrative that is both postmodern and uh, neo-Marxist in its priority claims, a priori claims. So, 
are you are are we talking about violent acts versus women, or are we talking about sexually I, I say, violent acts towards well, women? Any kind uh, violent acts happen towards everyone. Usually, what they refer to is things that are more uh, gender based acts of aggression or suppression or violence. So any kind of sexual manipulation could be categorized as... So like my boss won't give me the promotion unless I flirt with him. Right, like the casting couch could be a portion of it, you okay. know what I'm saying? Okay, yeah, no, I'm, I'm a little bit more on board with the direction you're heading in now. Okay. And I think that nothing actually... There's lots of statistics they like to quote, right? Like the one in four women on a college campus will be sexually assaulted. Correct. Read the actual study. The actual study suggests Every woman. Yeah. <laughs> it said it, every woman. It, said, it suggested that if you and your partner were both slightly inebriated and you both consented to sex, that constituted an act of, of sexual harassment or sexual assault by the male to the female. That's included in that study. They said one in four women are, are sexually assaulted. If, if, that's, have, if that's your barometer, then that's definitely true. But, yeah. like, that's a terrible barometer. That's a terrible barometer. The yeah. idea that a man and a woman can't have two drinks and then decide to have sex. Like, what kind of tyrannical world are you going to create? And this is important, too. Just as a side note, these feminists are absolutely... Mm, let, me, let me be clear. These feminist activists are absolutely tyrannical. There's no, there's no two ways about it. All of the issues that they bring up and the ways that they bend the truth in a propagandizing faction to support their claim of the existence of a tyrannical patriarchy are absolutely in line with the prefectures of Maoist China in their, in their attempts to carry out the mission. And also, on top of that, I'm not saying they kill people, I'm not saying they, they take political dissidents, but if the problem that they're quoting was to be solved, it would require a vast reduction in the freedoms enjoyed by the individual. Okay, right? I, I, think, I think you jumped too far ahead there, because now you have two very large points to prove, which is, one is, feminists are extremely tyrannical at the level of communist China. Well, well no, the, and, the and, part that connects more directly to hold, communist hold, China, hold, let me, let me plug on. this in, because okay. I think I do need to clarify. Yeah. The part that um, the part that relates them to Maoist China yeah. is that their guiding philosophy is the exact same. The idea... So, 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 yeah, slow down. Yeah. Slow down. Let, let's, stick in, let's stick in the first lane, which is the idea that we need to examine violence towards women and see if that's something that's happening at a grand scale that indicates a patriarchy yes or no. Okay, sure. Because let's answer that question effectively first and then let's get let's move on to the other one. We, like, can, if we, we can actually leave that point for the very end, I guess. Yeah, I think um, that's better. So anyway, sure. The truth is that exceptionally few women are raped on college campuses or experience any kind of sexual assault or sexual battery. Right. That doesn't mean it doesn't happen. It also doesn't mean it's not egregious when it happens. Right. It is. It's, as far as it's I... It's like the worst thing that could happen to a woman, probably. I, I agree. And, and I was having this conversation the other day with someone. That there's certain instances where I think that rape is worse than murder. Yeah. Um, at least kill them first. But, Jeez Louise. <laughs> wow. No, I mean, sure, it, sounds, it um, sounds harsh, but seriously. Yeah, they don't have to experience that, yeah. but still, that's, wow, okay, rough. I mean, the world is a dark place. There's no padded corners, right? Yeah, no, I hear you, but um, that's still dark. Uh, but but 
I say that to point out how seriously I take sexual assault and sexual violence. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the accusation that gets leveled against the right often is you don't care about women. You don't want to protect women. Uh, that's horse crap. Right. So, at any rate, the actual statistic is much, much lower than one in four. It gets hard because there are state differential uh, requirements, requirements okay. for sexual assault. Right? Ah, okay. And, but, at any rate... Then there's secondary claim that follows that up, uh, and, and I don't think this has ever been better evidenced than by the Me Too movement. We'll get into that in just a second. The second claim that ends that up is that the the right and the tyrannical patriarchy at large then soft pedals these victims. Society treats these vic- or these perpetrators. I'm sorry, these perpetrators with kid gloves, and I don't see that being true. I don't know. Now, there are specific anecdotal instances that you can point to where somebody did not get the proper sentence that I think they deserved, you know? Uh, that kid, that kid on the sports team that raped that woman. I have no idea who you're referring to. Yeah, I don't but, remember his name. Oh, you're yet. referring to every sports person ever. Okay, my mistake. <laughs> <laughs> but were you talking about Kobe Bryant? No, no, no. It was, a, it was at a college campus. Okay, but Kobe Bryant's probably a good example. Just to, just to put it in context, guys... Right. One in four women will be raped or sexually assaulted over a period of four years is the accurate statistic in Somalia. Yeah. In downtown Mogadishu. You would not send your daughter to downtown Mogadishu. The idea that you actually believe that that many people are getting sexually assaulted and yet you are still more than happy to send your daughter to that location is... it. it belies the fact that you don't even believe yourself the story that you're telling. Right. And so there's that piece. And then the idea that we don't take rape extremely seriously in this country is simply not true. Similar to the Jesse Smollett case, these accusations get plastered all over the mainstream media, as they should. If these things are true, then they're horrifying. And as far as I'm concerned, castration or euthanization of people that commit rape I, I have no sympathy for those people. It's not locker room talk. It's not male culture. If I walked in and saw Hunter sexually assaulting someone, the, you know, that I didn't know, as soon as I understood the situation, what was happening, it doesn't matter that he's my brother, I would be exercising my Second Amendment rights immediately. Yeah, it, I it, would hope you would. No, no guy that I know just talks that way, thinks it's funny, thinks it's cool. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Actual actual assault no and and, you know i'll just admit this too i i have dated several people that were victims of sexual assault and it is truly horrifying the uh, the things that you the things that you lose that you can't replace are sickening and to think that somebody would take that away from a woman just to get their rocks off it's horrifying and but but the here's the problem it's not all that common not in america and and the idea that we, by and large, that men aren't horrified by it is insanity. I, I guess I've said enough I need to say on that. Yeah, I I, I think there's a lot to... Um, I think... I, I think the rape thing's hard to have the conversation around because one rape is way, 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 too, way, way too much. You know? Too, too many. Like, too many yeah. rapes. Yeah. Like... And, but the other problem is it's not reciprocal at all. Like, this is definitely violence only committed towards women. That's not true, actually, but... No, no, it, it, it's almost only. Oh, no, it's actually 
the majority of rapes. No, are... no, you're 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 referring to men to men. It's never a woman to a man. Okay, okay. What you're saying is that yes, yes, men are the only ones that commit rape. Men are the only ones that commit rape. Statistically speaking, that's virtually true. Right, and so some women rape some men, but it's like four. And yeah. They uh, they look like the mountain from Game of Thrones. Yeah. Well, so, you know, typically, typically it's uh, it's you know teachers, right, etc. Right. Statutorily raping children. So my my point being is like it, I think it's really difficult to like have an idea there. The thing that I think that gets to me in this in this category that you brought up that's more uh, compelling is the non. The borderline, here's what it is, the non-sexual assault that, like, I'll say it this way, the stuff that does not fall into the category of rape, but still falls into the category of sexual assault. Like patting someone on the rear or something like that. Well, that, but also just the accusations around that. Like, uh, I mean, like, Dr. Blasey, Blasey. Lazy Christine Blazyford. Sorry, yeah. my brain just didn't work there for a second. And Kavanaugh, like that's a thirty-year-old accusation that we all took very, very, very seriously without a lot of evidence to support it. Right. And it's like, well, and well. In the question is, in the question is, why did we take it seriously? Right. And I would think the answer is, well, our society takes rape very seriously. Right. And right. The, this idea that it's all that the tyrannical patriarchy doesn't believe in this because if the tyrannical patriarchy existed, it would have ignored this. It would have ignored it completely. Right. Right. And so it's like no. It's like even even the minor stuff is extremely important. And, and the idea that it wouldn't have gotten national attention if it wasn't for for women is also untrue. Right. Uh, men take rape seriously. Extremely. Very seriously, seriously. Obviously. I mean, that's why. It, what was it? Steve King isn't in, you know, isn't in office right now. Right. It's because men take accusations of rape against other men extremely seriously. Unless they're on the left, Bill Clinton. Uh, you piece of shit. Shots fired, Bill. Yeah. Shots fired. Shots fired, Bill. Yeah, and by that I'd like to say that... Hold on, I just want to hedge my bets. Uh, The Clintons have never done anything wrong. They've never committed any crimes. And I would never kill myself. Just gonna say that, just in case. I'm very afraid <laughs> they choose to kill me. Um, <laughs> but I, I think that's. I think this is the interesting point too, is because we live. So it's like Bill is like the perfect example of this too. Bill comes from this era of sexual freedom, sure. And it was like, can't you think? Can't and the argument was like, anybody, you know, could have done this. Like he has all this power, and you know, it's just sex. It's not a big deal, you know, sort of thing. That was kind of the discussion that was surrounding Bill at that time. Sure. But the thing that is like so strange now is we have the sexual freedom of the 60s with the Victorian puritanism of the 1900s. Well, it's selective, right? It's, sele- it's well, selective. Well, it's it's not though. Like that's the thing is it's like it's in any instance where a woman says it's happened that is that is puritanism is the rule, but any instance where a woman says it hasn't, the '60s is the rule. Well, that's what I mean by selective. Oh, okay, okay, fair enough. And but it's like it's like it, it's 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 bizarre to me because it's 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 unpoliceable. Right, exactly. And this is my first evidence for one: the fact that the tyrannical patriarchy of the West doesn't exist, and also that the reason that this group is mo- making a move now is simply a postmodern power differential grand narrative, neo-Marxist grand narrative. I see what you're saying. If you look at Christine Ford and Dr. Christine Ford 
and Kavanaugh, the things that the media was saying, the national conversation was centered around this idea that, sure, there's no evidence, there's no individual evidence, there's nothing to link you and your behavior to this action, but men are gross. Men are gross anyway. Men are disgusting anyway. Come on, guys, aren't they gross? You're guilty by your group association, not because of your uh, specific actions. Right. And that is plain and simple postmodern neo-Marxism. Right. That, that, the reason that you advance that narrative is because you are trying to present a power dichotomy that explains that, that explains the differences in outcomes for men and women. That's precisely what you're doing. And so the idea that there's, you know, the thing that we talked about before, why would they lie? Why would anyone lie about this with Jesse Smollett, sure. right? That's why they would lie because there's an agenda. And not, I'm not saying that every woman that makes a false accusation is, uh, you know, a, a Illuminati mastermind to bring about the quote-unquote utopia. What no, I, no, and a false accusation could be made in good faith. It, absolutely. Like, I may not remember the scenario perfectly. I may have forgotten the name. I may have, I may have thought this person, look, this person could look very similar. But you should say that. You should say that too. Otherwise, you're you are not being careful yeah. with the with the responsibility that you've been given. That that's absolutely true. And but people being, I, I guess, good faith. Good faith meaning that maybe they're answering the question to the best of their abilities, but they're not being careful with their ability. Or they're not being careful at the same time. Right. So, yeah. yeah. I'm with you. All right. So that's that's my argument there. Let's okay. move on to abortion. And this yeah. one, we've had a whole episode on abortion. Go back Go and listen, listen to, to that. that. The, the, you know, the fact is that the arguments that they make, the feminists make in favor of abortion are simply anti-scientific. Yeah. And we don't need to rehash all that out here. But when you've got a group that's making anti-factual, anti-scientific arguments... And you ask why, and then they say, you know, their their defense is, why can't you stay out of my uterus, you know? Yeah. Why don't you leave my uterus alone? Honey, no one's interested in your uterus. No one cares, and Ben Shapiro puts it hilariously, no one cares about your pancreas, you know? Right. No one cares about your liver or your kidneys. The The difference is that there's a, a, there's a valid discussion that's being had there about the sanctity of the human life in the womb. Right. And you feminist activists are are rerouting that argument to be about something completely different it's a complete uh, it's, it's a straw man mis- misappropriation of the actual tenets of the legitimate argument it's really strange too because from the biological perspective the actual structures that enclose the fetus are created from the mother to separate it from the mother right which is a really strange idea when you think about it because like the blood in the umbilical cord is literally built in a certain way to share nutrients between mother and child, but not so that the blood mixes together because, right. you know, the DNA structure of the mother is different than the child and the white blood cells may see the foreign blood as a, you know, as a thing. And like, I'm sure a there's a pathogen. Thank you. And I think the, uh, I'm sure there's difference in child blood and adult blood. You know, when we're talking about hormones and all that other nastiness that would be in the mother's blood that would be bad for the baby sure um or caffeine and things like that but you get what i'm trying to say is like it's like it's so clearly a separate organism within something else that really i don't even know if it qualifies as a parasite because it's not 
at some point it leaves the host. The truth is, there used to be a time when we believed that they, it wasn't parasitic, which is often quoted. Now. Yeah, isn't it that was, gross? It was emotionally emotional symbiosis. Yeah, at exactly. A symbiosis is a much better word to describe. We've the relationship. lost the thread completely. But right. now let, let's put a bumper we, on this. We issue. will even talk about symbiotic relationships with animals, and we won't talk about it with mother and child. Yeah, sometimes it's disgusting. Yeah. Um, that being said, then you ask yourself the question. Why would they make the argument? Why would they reframe the argument to be about whether or not uh, men in power wanted to control their uterus? Uh, as ignorant as it sounds rolling off my tongue. The answer is thus. They want to shut down speech. They want to shut down conversation. They want to shut down other people's ability to share the truth by ignoring the actual argument and simply redrawing the lines to be centered around a power differential argument. The same argument as as the uh, sexual violence argument it rears its head here. There's a power differential between men and women, and because men are more powerful, they want to control us. Right. There's a tyrannical patriarchy instantiated, and we must smash it, regardless yeah. of the actual evidence. Yeah. I think enough said about that. Yeah. Okay, the last tenet, and this one's the most telling in my opinion, is the wage gap. Yeah. I actually think this is the one that, well, I don't know. It hasn't been for a while, but I think this is the one that, that, that is like, it might even be the most talked about, you know, feminist talk, uh, viewpoint. It's, it's an extremely typical, uh, evidence that's provided for the existence of the patriarchy. Yeah. Because women make 76 cents on the dollar whatever man makes. Right, which is not true. Not true. Um, not true. It's, it's not, that statistic isn't even true in the method that they tried to measure it with. Right. So but Hillary Clinton said it. Yeah, well, Hillary Clinton said a lot of things. Sure. And she's never done anything wrong. Never done anything wrong. And never committed a crime. Never one crime. And never assassinated someone and who never, disagreed with her politically. Never assassinated one person. Yeah, and, People th and I would never commit suicide. And I would never <laughs> commit suicide for you. Okay, thank you. Uh, because you couldn't, definitionally. No, I... Uh, all right, so... I'll just wear your skin. <laughs> I'll wear your skin. <laughs> okay. Um, so, let's talk about the wage gap. Yeah. Do men and women make different amounts of money in aggregate? Yes, yes absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely they do. Hey, okay, quick follow-up question. Is gender the only differentiating factor by which you can view the society? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. How stu any social scientist that was legitimately attempting to perform any type of study would would the one of the first things that they would tell you is you have to analysis. look at a multivariate multivariable analysis. Yep. The idea that we're so you know lazy and intellectually deficient that we think a univariate analysis is enough to analyze the existence of something as important as a perceived wage gap is absolutely nuts. I'm gonna I'm gonna teach people a, a little term here. Yeah. Correlation doesn't equal causation. Wow. It's wow. Like, it's like almost an idiom at this point. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, I'm just gonna quote some facts here because we're kind of running a little short on time today. But the um, the there's a paper by the National Bureau of Economic Research, the Children Gen Gender Inequality Evidence from Denmark paper. Uh, so they went to the Nordic countries, close to the Nordic countries, um, and it basically found out that the wage gap is far better explained by mothers versus fathers as opposed to male versus female. As in, all of the differences that you see in wages occur 
when you're talking about mothers specifically and fathers specifically, and they completely dissipate when you actually just look at male and female. Ah. So you remove that analysis from it, mothers who have born children, and it's completely, it, it's nearly identical pay. Um, there's also this, this idea that, that men control the market, you know, that men are reinforcing this wage gap because we make all of the decisions. Uh, women make 80% of all consumer decisions, period. Mm. The, the idea that there's this, that the capitalist market is somehow this male dominated hegemony is simply just not true. Yeah. Um, I actually think I saw something similar to the thing you were saying where it like compared salaries of single men versus, uh, single women mm -hmm. and they were basically the same. Right. I, I, I shouldn't say single. The ki men and women without children. Well, Google just did a, a, a bit of research on their, their like, first-tier workers. Yeah. Um, and were trying to determine who made more money. And they, unfortunately, they later tried to quash the results. But they found out that the men were actually being underpaid as uh, compared to the women. Really? Yeah. And these are people that are fresher out of school, you know, less children. Yeah. But men were actually being underpaid at Google. Wow. Um, yeah. Who knew? By how much? Uh, I don't know specifically. Okay. That would, that would be interesting because if it was like half a percent or something like that, it's not really that big. But right. It, it, it squashes the narrative that women are paid uh, less. Yes, Because exactly. of their sex. Right, exactly. Right? And here's the other thing, too. Um, the... There, so they did that study, right? And then you can combine that with another study that shows pretty clearly, I don't have the name of it off the top of my head, women have better job placement rates out of college. So not only are, once women getting to the jobs, specifically at Google in this case, being paid you. more or at least equal, yep. but they also have a better chance of getting in. Yep. This idea that the male-dominated uh, patriarchy precludes women from the workplace is simply false, statistically. Uh, so, so we say all that to say, basically, when you do a multivariate analysis, the pay gap dissipates entirely, and there's lots of different things to analyze there. Age, time spent working, you know, position. Then other things like personality disposition is important, too, because agreeableness... Uh, you haven't said skill level, but skill level has to right. be a part of it, right? Well, right. I mean, that's part of it, too. But yeah. agreeableness correlates negatively with performance in the workplace. Right. You want disagreeable people at work. Right. And so... That, do you... Have you had a boss that hasn't been disagreeable? Like, someone that doesn't say no regularly? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've watched other people have them, and they simply allow other people to walk all over their employees. Yeah, like, like I have taught myself to be far more disagreeable when I'm at work because I'm actually more effective. Like when I say, no, we're not going to do that, it increases my productivity. Right. It increases my team's productivity. And I like, I can't believe that it does, but it's just like saying, we're not going to have a discussion on it. We're going to move in this direction because it's the right direction and you can listen to me because I know. Right. Even if I'm wrong, it at least moves us faster and we find out I'm wrong faster. Right. You know, like it's, it, it's just a better way to act. Here's really the silver bullet. Sorry, that was off no, topic, no, but yeah. you're right. Yeah. But really the silver bullet in the wage gap argument is this. Equality of outcome is undesirable, both logically and in practice. And the reason is that because given freedom of choice, men and women refuse to sort themselves into the same categories. Right. Yeah, For yeah, instance. Yeah, yeah, the Norway stuff. Scandinavia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Scandinavia, the countries that have... Uh, it's not, 
objectively, countries that have objectively done the most to try and equalize the outcomes for men and women, when they instantiated these policies about a decade ago that would encourage more women to take on male-dominated fields and gave them more freedom and opportunity to do so by fiat, which never works out, the wage gap, quote-unquote, increased in the country. Right. In Scandinavia, there's a 20-to-1 female-to-male nurses, and you have exactly the opposite in engineering. Because it's not even our desire right. to be sorted into the same categories. When we, when Men and women are different. When you can choose what you want to do, biology, personality, whatever it is, sociology, what, what whatever influencing factor it is, and I guess they're correcting for sociology as much as possible in this. Sure. Biology seems to take over. Like, you just yes. fit into the group that and you're kind of born into and how your genes work. It doesn't mean that every woman, we're talking about statistical Absolutely averages. Not. That's yeah. important to remember. Well, it's 20 to 1. There's one woman in the engineering field, just like there's one man in the nursing field. Right. Like, and there's still there's still people there. It's just not the majority. And, and that's by choice. Right. That's when you give people more choice. Exactly. They don't sort them out the same. And, and women often, often are more interested in jobs that involve interactions with people. And men are very, very likely to be more interested in jobs that are more related to things and the hard sciences. This and, is, and those jobs pay more because they generate more income. This is funny, Christopher. I'm going to come up with a new term. I'm going to call it revolutionary puritanism. Yeah. Or because like that I, I, '60s revolution, uh, the puritanism. Uh, well, I guess I'm going to call it revolutionary Victorianism. No, I like Puritanism better. Puritanical. Puritanical. Yeah. So there we go. But, like, it's the same idea that we were seeing before with, like, sex, right? Mm -hmm. It's the same thing that's coming out here, too, where it's like, hey, you should have the choice to be who... It's like the Disney Channel. Choice to be whoever you want to be, follow your dreams, do whatever you want, but make the right choice. Go yeah. be an engineer. But make our choice. But make our choice. Right. And it's like, like that, that comes from the same camp. You know, and that the, both those thoughts do, and they conflict, and that we treat them like they don't. It's it's the same as these uh, these women that call pro life females race traitors, right? right? Yeah, like yeah, you should be strong, independent, and think what you want as long as it's exactly what I prescribe. Yeah, and this is going back to the tyrannical component. Yeah, uh, the, the reason I think the wage gap is the most important here is because it absolutely tips the Marxist hand that is guiding this thought process. The prescription for the fix for the wage gap is simply to redistribute more money to women, regardless yeah. of their actual skills, regardless of their actual choices, regardless of how many hours they work, regardless of any qualifying statistic at all. We simply will examine you by your group identity, that being our a priori construction and our, our fundamental resolution with which we are able to view the world. We'll look at you by one characteristic, that being your gender, and then we will, we will redistribute to you based on the perceived oppression of your gender. It is Marxism to the core, and they they belay it directly in the wage gap argument, whereas it's subtler. It's it's more a part of a, upholding this grand narrative that they're creating in the other two arguments, but in this one, it's direct, and that's key to realize. It's key to take note of that, because you start to see, well, why would they lie? Why would an entire mode of thinking be formulated and constructed and supported so that we can believe this narrative of the the tyrannical patriarchy of the west 
The answer is because it links back to the same issues and the same fundamental flaws with people that would self-label themselves Marxist is the, the hesitance to take on personal responsibility for your actions and, and the idea that the state will call in the utopia. Yeah, you did a good job of coming back to that point we laid out earlier. I liked it. Nice Thank job. You. You Thanks get, for making me wait. You get it, 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 it just needed to be said here, brother. <laughs> you know, I love you, buddy. And that is a great show that we have just given to people. One, one second. I no, just, I, no, it's over. No, it's nope, not it's over. over. I have Bye, a, everybody. Carpool, over. <laughs> Sorry, I got a little loud there again. I'm going to edit <laughs> you out of this episode completely. It's just going to be you talking? I just want to say one more thing. No. Because this is kind of the big point. Yeah, of course. You go, okay, Chris, you've laid this... this framework out, but where's your evidence for that? Google. The answer is in this okay. really strange this really strange cohesion you see in the intersectionality movement. You know? You've got Linda Sarsour, convicted terrorist, leading the women's march, uh, also promoting, you know, in my no, not in my opinion, grossly anti Semitic views. And um and actual just legitimate terrorism promoting this idea that there's vast Islamophobia and that's why we don't like Linda Sarsour's ideas uh, and then you have the feminist marches joining in with things like Black Lives Matter the point is you ask yourself why do they align why would any feminist align with this idea of Islamophobia you know wouldn't feminists be the most Islamophobic people on the planet we're talking about a culture that believes if you get raped as a woman, then you should be put to death by stoning. And you can't drive. You can't you drive. Can't wear you, what you want. You can't even walk next to your husband you, in public. You can't even go to the grocery store unless you ask him. Your husband is allowed to beat you, provided that the stick is sufficiently sized. And, and we're talking about Islam in Islamic countries, not really American We're talking Islam. Sharia law. Right. Um, which, Let's be which, specific. by the way, in Islamic countries, the vast majority of them support. Right. Statistically. And you go, why, why would they find themselves fellow travelers on this intersectional mission? And the answer is because their goal is never to actually fix the issues that they're pretending to care about. Their goal is never to alleviate the problem that they're screaming about. Their, uh, their goal is is to destroy the ideals that made the West great. Their goal is to dismantle this enlightenment system that we've set up where the focus is on the individual and the individual is responsible for their own success and their own failure because responsibility, like we've talked about plenty of times before, responsibility is hard work and it's good to have an enemy and it's better to make the enemy yourself, but most people will choose to make the enemy external. I think I... I think I think a clarification on what you said is necessary. They're not after that. They're achieving that by what they're pushing for. Because, like, they're definitely not waking up every day. Most feminists are not waking up every day and thinking, I want to tear apart Western society and join in other oppressed groups to make sure that those who have power don't. 
Like that's not the thought. The thought is, I want to be a progressive person, and this is a progressive stance to take. Well, you're right and you're wrong. Well, it's it's both, right? It's, it's both. It, it's but, like, but, but I'm the, but I'm more thing. I'm definitely more right than I am wrong because there's a very small people who think the way you do, and there's a very large group of people that think the way I say. Sure, maybe so, but that yeah. th- th- this is the point. Your ideas matter, right? And, and if you haven't if thought about you your have, ideas to the bo- to you, the bottom, they achieve the same thing. If it you doesn't have, matter, right? If you have radical ideas and you have them for the wrong reason, it doesn't change the fact that your ideas are radical and wrong. Correct. And, and that's key. It's not benign. It's not vanilla to be a feminist anymore. The thing that you are associating with and the, the fellow travelers that you're joining along with wish the destruction of personal responsibility. Yeah. And so check your own ideas. If, if you think that you can just believe what you want because it sounds nice and it makes a nice bumper card, you're not taking it seriously enough. You're yep. not taking it seriously enough. And that could not be more clear than in the issue with feminism. There's no reason, there's no logical reason why the intersectional left should join together radical Islam and radical feminism. And yet they do. And it's it's extremely, extremely telling. You, had you know, more, yeah. the, 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 you're right. Not everyone who self-labels a feminist once up and uh, wakes up in the morning and says, I want to destroy the West, right? Obviously. Obviously. But... Many of them, many of them wake up in the morning, and you alluded to this earlier. Many of them wake up in the morning and say that I know that I could push this button to receive social currency. Sure, yeah, that's absolutely true. And if and to castigate an entire subsection, to view the world as divided by gender demographics is ignorant on its face and malevolent at its base. But if you wake up every morning and say, I am willing to castigate an entire group so that I can cash in on some social currency, for one, you're selfish. And number two, if your ideas are malevolent as Marxism has proven itself to be, then you are a harbinger of violence. You're a harbinger of the end. And I hope that your ideas never get realized. But unsophistication, it's just like Ilan Omar this week, saying a bunch of anti-Semitic stuff and saying, oh, I didn't realize it. It's the same thing. If you are not critical of your ideas, especially at this critical juncture, if you're not critical of your own ideas, to the point of, of uh, what is it when you endanger, it's reckless endangerment, right? You're not, you're not blameless. You're not guiltless for not looking at your own ideas and where they lead. Yeah, I think that, I think that's the, I think that's the the, the thing that you have to do is think through, think your ideas to the actual bottom. Think if everybody took your ideas, what would it achieve? Mm-hmm. And if the outcome is something you don't like, well, you need to change. Yeah. That's tough. And that's a tough thing to hear. Guys? We have some emails this week, but we're not going to read them. Not going to read them. We ran out of time. Ran out of time. There's there's some emails. We'll get to them. This has been Carl Pullen. You can follow the show at Carl Pullen on Instagram and Twitter. Twitter. We have a Facebook page. It says Carl Pullen Cast. There's a website, www.carlpooling.com. You can email the show at carlpooling at gmail.com. You can follow me at Emotional Carl. And you can follow Chris at XXCrixCarl. XXCarl. <laughs> X. I got punched. At Chris X Carl. Sometimes violence is the answer, guys. Thanks Sometimes. for tuning in. That's has been Carl Pooling. Get out of the backseat. We're home! <laughs>